Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. Writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, in honor of Halloween, I have some cool stuff about ghost words. In 1886, a lexicographer named Walter Skeet first used the phrase ghost words to describe words that he said had no real existence. In other words, ghost words are words that weren't real to begin with. They made it into the dictionary because of an error or misunderstanding. For example, it appears that gravy only became a word because a 14th century translator misread a French cookbook. In Old French, the word was spelled with an N, G-R-A-N-E, also sometimes spelled G-R-A-I-N, and it was related to the word grain, which, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, meant anything used in cooking at the time. But English cookbooks translated from French in the 14th century and later nearly always have a V or a U instead of the N, leading to the word gravy that sounds so right to us today. Researchers believe it was simply a transcription error. If the word had been transcribed properly, we'd be having grainy on our mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving. In the 15th century, a misprint gave us another ghost word, syllabus. The Roman philosopher Cicero died in 43 BC, but his work has been read ever since. Two of his letters to Atticus have the word citibus with a Y or possibly citibus with a U. Sources disagree. But either way, it was a Greek word meaning a label for a book or parchment or title slip. But one printing of this work mistakenly spelled the word as syllabus. People apparently thought syllabus was Latin, and the spelling stuck so well that syllabus took on its new meaning in the mid-1600s and now even has a fake Latin plural, syllabi, although syllabuses is also listed as an option in all the dictionaries I checked. Here's a more recent misunderstanding that gave us a new word. We got the word tweed, a type of wool, from a misunderstanding of the Scottish word tweel, which was how the Scots said twill. That mistake may have happened because there's a Tweed River in Scotland. So when people heard or saw twill, they thought of the Tweed River. But regardless of how it happened, Tweed became an established word for cloth in London in the mid-1800s. Here's an even more recent ghost word you may not have heard of, but it has a quirky origin. Dord. The story goes that the original dictionary entry was D or D, capital D or lowercase d, as an abbreviation for density in physics or chemistry. But someone who worked on the entry misread it as a word spelled D-O-R-D instead of D or D, and thus the word Dord was born in the 1934 edition of Webster's New International Dictionary. I like to imagine a bleary-eyed employee looking at it and thinking, Dord, sounds like a word to me. But actually, when people working on entries typed out the spelling of a word, it was standard to leave a space between each letter. So it wasn't so far-fetched to think that whoever typed D space or space D had meant D space O space R space D and simply forgot to put a space between the O and the R. Door doesn't in dictionaries anymore, though. A Merriam-Webster editor discovered the mistake, and the entry was corrected 13 years later, in 1947. 
Not every non-word that ends up in a dictionary gets there by accident, though. Some are intentional, such as the one that was invented by an editor at the New Oxford American Dictionary and was included in the 2001 edition to help the company track copyright violators who were lifting entries from the dictionary. If the made-up word Oxford had created appeared in another dictionary, it would be clear that it had been copied from them. The word was esquivalience, which they defined as the willful avoidance of one's official responsibilities. They even gave it a made-up etymology, saying it arose in the late 19th century, perhaps from the French word esquiver, meaning dodge or slink away. Some people don't believe that words created on purpose are true ghost words. The Merriam-Webster online dictionary definition for ghost word would include such words, but the dictionary.com entry would not. There are, in fact, two other words that language geeks use to describe intentionally deceptive non-words, Mount Weasel and Nihil article. Here's the story behind Mount Weasel. Some encyclopedias also include fake entries to catch copyright infringers. And Henry Alford, the author of a 2005 New Yorker article about esquivalience, chose the entry for Lillian Virginia Mount Weasel in the 1975 New Columbia Encyclopedia to coin a term for intentional fakes. Amusingly, the encyclopedia described the fake Ms. Mount Weasel as, quote, a fountain designer turned photographer who was celebrated for a collection of photographs of rural American mailboxes titled Flags Up. She was said to have been born in Bangs, Ohio in 1942, only to die at 31 in an explosion while on assignment for Combustibles magazine, unquote. You can see why Alford chose Mount Weasel as the term to use for a fake entry. That, that entry is pretty funny. The German term Nihil article seems to predate Mount Weasel by at least a year or two, though, as a term to describe an intentionally fake dictionary entry. It's a combination of the Latin Nihil, meaning nothing, and the German Artikel, meaning article. I say it predates Mount Weasel by at least a year or two because its origin is a bit in dispute. Wikipedia and Wiktionary both say it is itself a fake, citing the origin as, quote, a fictitious March 2004 English-language Wikipedia article, unquote. However, the site Worldwide Words, which I trust more than Wikipedia, says that the word has had, quote, half a dozen appearances in German sources since 2000, more than in English, unquote, suggesting that it's a real but rare native German word. As an aside, dictionaries and encyclopedias aren't the only reference works that include fake entries. Maps also sometimes include made-up streets or even towns that publishers can use to track copyright infringement. And these also have multiple names, such as paper towns, phantom settlements, and trap streets, since they're used to trap plagiarists. I'll finish with one more ghosty word that arose from a misunderstanding. Phantom nation. Reading about these intentionally deceptive words and entries can start to make you paranoid. So when I saw the word phantom nation in a dictionary.com video about ghost words, and I'd never seen it before, I started to wonder if I was being duped. But I wasn't, and the story behind it is far more odd than it being merely a transcription error or an intentional ruse. 
Well, trying to confirm that the Dictionary.com video was on the level, I found the word in Google Books from 1891 in a book titled The Compounding of English Words, When and Why Joining or Separation is Preferable. Yes, someone wrote a 223-page book about compound words. The author, Francis Horace Teal, seems to have strong feelings about compound words and believes that dictionaries are doing it wrong. They should be much more consistent in how they form compounds. In one section of the book, Teal describes another author, a Mr. Jodrell, who thought that all compound words should be one continuous word. For example, Jodrell wrote marriage settlement, stage gesture, and tapestry hanging— each as one word. No space between tapestry and hanging, for example. It's all squished together as one word, tapestry hanging. Teal complains that Jodrell even did this when quoting other authors, and this is where we get to Phantom Nation. When Jodrell was quoting a line from Alexander Pope's translation of the Odyssey, All the Phantom Nations of the Dead— he followed his craze for solidifying, as Jodrell called it, and wrote Phantom Nations as one word instead of two. Joseph Wooster's 1860 Dictionary of the English Language then included the word, defining it as illusion, and Webster's included the same entry in 1864. Teal says that even though it meant a multitude of specters in the quotation, the dictionaries interpreted it as the word phantom with the suffix ation and an n added in to make it sound better, instead of realizing that it just came from Jodrell's odd habit of slamming two words together. The Oxford English Dictionary still includes phantom nation today, but without a definition. The entry simply notes that it's a misinterpretation of phantom nation, two words, and includes the citations from Jodrell, Wooster, and Webster's. So if you're out and about Halloween night walking among the phantom nation, or just stay inside wearing tweed and eating gravy, I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Finally, I have a familect story from Jamie. Hi, my name is Jamie. Today I don't have a familect story. I have a workalect or jobalect story. I work in a big corporate office and I have to attend several training events per year. One of the main trainers is named Brian, and he is notorious for announcing extra long or unscheduled breaks, particularly when there are technical difficulties. He calls these Brian breaks. So many people have trained with him now that whenever that kind of thing uh, occurs, whether Brian is involved or not, it's still called a Brian break. Hope you enjoyed my story. Have a great day. If you want to share your family dialect story or a work dialect story, leave a voicemail at 833214GIRL and you might hear it on the show. Also, remember to check out my new video course at LinkedIn Learning. One thing that's making me really happy is that I can see lots of people are bookmarking individual videos in the course, which means they found them useful enough to want to be able to find them again later. Many of you will be able to get the course free either through LinkedIn Premium at work or lynda.com at your local or university library. So search those sites for Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing to start watching my videos about active voice, parallelisms, using adverbs, and more. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find me at the home of my podcast network, quickanddirtytips.com. Thank you to my producer, Nathan Sams, and that's all. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.